listening to the CADCast. Always a lot of fun to look back on another successful year for Bethune-Cookman University Athletics. Nolan Alexander joined by Dan Ryan, our senior writer and staff historian here at BCU, as we look at the best games, moments, and stories of the 2018-19 season. Dan, to start it out, last year this process wasn't easy, trying to pick out the best of the three categories this year. Uh, just as difficult, I think, at least for me. A lot of great stories. And let's face it, a couple of really amazing once-in-a-lifetime stories as well. So very interesting year, but a very productive year. And also, like I said, some of the moments once-in-a-lifetime, life-defining, life-changing, it was a lot of fun. Let's start out with the best stories from this year, and I'm going to go with my numbers five through three. Okay. I want to hear yours five through three, and then we'll each do our top two. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right. My stories, number five, volleyball records this year. Uh, Records pretty much all across the board uh, for volleyball. Had a very successful season. I think you did a great job profiling that on bcuathletics.com. Janae Higgins finished third all-time in assists for the Wildcats. Mariah Hill, mainly setting that single-season blocks record, uh, was huge for me and continuing the progress for Brittany Williams' program uh, for what they have done, the trajectory over the past four years this year, the first uh, 500 season or better in conference playing quite some time. So the record-setting year for volleyball is number five for me. The fourth story is Udika Rodriguez's dominance. Uh, it seemed like there wasn't a tournament that she didn't win for BCU women's golf. Throughout this entire spring, she had one heck of a season, uh, was key to BCU women. Uh, winning here, Gary Freeman, Tom Barton, you know, you kind of name it. It was Yudika Rodriguez pacing the way for women's golf. So we're excited to see what's in store for her as a professional golfer here in the very near future. And the third storyline for me, good old Uriel Hernandez going viral (laughs) after the game in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, That was a lot of fun seeing the Nebraska fans love him. College football fans in the Midwest got to know him because the game was on the Big Ten Network. And uh, yeah, he went viral for his coffin corner punt against the Huskers down inside the five. Comes off, does the bow and arrow. They get to see his uh, unique stature for the first time. So a lot of fun seeing the nation fall in love with Uriel Hernandez. I'm just delighted how much fun you guys had up in Nebraska, too. Did you have one of those Runza things that everybody else was I didn't about? have a Runza. I did not. No one. you got to have a Runza in Nebraska. you got to have crab cakes in Baltimore. You, I, well, I didn't know Runza was a thing until afterwards. Well, That's why. it's definitely a thing right now. And matter of fact, it's funny the Nebraska fans are still talking about us. They're still talking about Mr. Hernandez and everything like that. Um, I'm also glad Nebraska football fans are some of the most courteous and professional. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. we had that experience, too. Absolutely. All right, get us a five through three for you. My number five is uh, is Lexi Bermudez throwing two no-hitters, not one, not two no-hitters this year. That's the first time that's happened in 12 years. And her arm carried this team through the tournament. She had the no-hitter up at North Carolina Central. She comes in, just starts off the uh, MEAC tournament with a no-hitter. And Laura's got her for two more years, so that's really exciting. Nine number four, um, and it's going to be another softball, Laura Watton's 700th career victory. And if you want to put this in perspective, it didn't happen against a directional team, but a Northwest or anything like that. She got her 700th win against Kansas. Power 5 school, great program. I think it's a testament to what she's been building up and, and what's going on with that program and how she got a team that 
was really struggling in the season to the MEAC tournament, won the tournament, got onto the NCAA tournament, and got her dog a national Twitter account. Number three. My number three is, and my folks up in Tallahassee aren't going to like this, but eight is great. Eight consecutive victories over the Rattlers in the Florida Classic. And, Nolan, you called that game. And we were talking about this afterwards. When you look at a stat sheet, there is no way in heck we should have won that football game. 14 penalties, 400 total yards, all those times we gave up in the red zone. Four of our plays accounted for 54% of our offense. And we still found a way to win that football game. It was, and I think you had to go down the field afterwards. And then once you realize, well, first of all, how many of these people are on crutches and just the spirit of that team, they they ran into walls for each other and they found a way to make it work. I completely agree about the tenacity of the team. And I think that game epitomizes the cliche you hear from coaches at times where there's, I feel like they change it, but sometimes they say there's four to five plays that determine the outcome of a football game or seven to eight plays that determine the outcome of a football game. And I think if you're going to say five plays, I think BCU had four of them. If it's eight plays, I think BCU had six or seven of those plays. The biggest ones that mattered, um, mainly with that Ty Peters pick six, which I think I'm going to come to later on. All right, my number two story for the year is... The tennis program success in the MEAC tournament with the women going to the finals and the men being shorthanded, only with five guys making the semifinals, seeing the heart from both programs, especially that men's side. I really grew fond of them this season, getting to know more of their story. That's my number two story this year. What's your number two? First of all, thank you for agreeing with that on that because I, I, my, one of my primary sports is tennis. The men's tennis team established themselves back in the fall at the HBCU. They dominated that tournament, and they were a little shorthanded, but they won, they won their first 11 matches. And you have to remember, that program was a one-win program just two years ago, and then they came back, and they got as far as they did. When they beat Florida A&M over the U.S. Tennis Center, I mean, it was dominating, and they were playing above their heads, and they were playing with passion and focus. And it was just exciting for the watch there. So I want you to thank you for that. My number two is my girl, Kamisha Morrison, finishing second in the nation in the high jump at the NCAA indoors. And we knew something was going on earlier because you had basketball, I had baseball that day, but we're monitoring that. She makes her first three. And, and oh my gosh, she might win this thing. And if her hip hadn't brushed the uh, bar coming down we might be having a number conversation about number one right now and and you've met her and you've interviewed her class act devout christian has put the time in and you look at her legacy here with i think and i can't remember off the top of my head it's like 12 conference championships um if i had a little if i had a little goat i'd get i'd give her one right now well, that's my number one, so I don't need to repeat what you said. That was my number one story this year was her success, national runner-up in the indoor and the high jump. Uh, we're all extremely proud of, as you said, her entire career, not just this year. Uh, it's great that it ended the way it did, uh, but her entire career is remarkable for a Wildcat. So that's my number one. What's your number one? Well, you know, Vanessa Bellier-Lewis, and to this day, every time I look up there, because I've got the tournament championship photo on my wall, and I look at that team every day, and I'm going, how the heck did a team that had six knee surgeries in one year 
win that championship. And I'm knowing every time I hear your call on that, I get goosebumps. And it's just you figure it out. I, I've only been around that program three years. I still can't figure it out. <laughs> well, I. Yeah, I, I've got that uh, that game, of course, this season and some of my other categories. But I had a feeling you're going to have that number one. That's why I went with Kamisha. Okay. So that's our top storylines of the year here on the Catcast. Nolan Alexander, Dan Ron, going through the top stories, moments, and games in the 2018-19 athletic season at Bethune Cookman University. Let's move on to the top games, and we'll do the same thing. We'll go three through five, and we'll start with you. Your fifth best game this year okay i'm gonna steal one from you and well actually let me go ahead there's a couple track i want to get out of the way first i'm gonna everything like that it's what i call the under the radar uh, game performances from track and that's brent hehold winning the pentathlon at the miak indoors and Mm -hmm. that kind of gets lost because we've got everything else going on there a year ago this guy's got a torn acl now he comes back and he just goes above and beyond his potential and wins and wins a multi. As a matter of fact, um, he finished second in the decathlon at the outdoor beyond Mark McCoy, and that was just a great way. You talked to us, and it was such a great joy because when I was t- interviewing him over the phone, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. I am so excited. I am so thankful for my coaches. And it's like, okay, yeah, that really was – that was a fun ride. You know, there's some days where you have, I know you have fun calls some days, right? You mm-hmm. call. I had it too. And there's two other under the radar. Uh, Dominic Harper uh, went six for six. He won his sixth pole vault uh, championship, wrapped up a, a solid career, couldn't make it to the NCAA's qualifies. And Jeremiah Peters, and I got to give him props because he's a Cleveland guy, and you know how I am with my Cleveland guys. He wins it. He goes four for four in winning the outstanding field performer at indoor and outdoor during his BCU career. So the under the radar. My next one, I'm going to steal a football one from you. The, the football game from against North Carolina Central. And you mm-hmm. know why? That game was fun. That was a blast. That, that was, was a blast. fun. So many storylines. Um, you know, I, I said afterwards that North Carolina Central sent Kevon Mitchell a going Mitchell a going away present because they're glad to see him after he, you know he catches mm-hmm. another touchdown. Robinson was still in his score palooza phase. You know, he's first time he touches the ball, he scores he scores points. They're down fifteen nothing. They come back and shut down a great running game, and then our boy Hernandez again. I don't. Did he do the bow and arrow against um, Central? He stared him down. <laughs> he may have done a little ice in his veins too, but he definitely had the stare down. That was fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what. That was fun. I mean, we and again, it was a great you know Thursday night ESPN game, mm-hmm. overtime going back and forth. Just a fun game all around. All right, my number three, and you still, I want to bring this up. Um, the golf team at the Gary Freeman Invitational, the men's golf team, and it's a one, another one of the under radar. They led after the first round against Augusta State. For those of you who don't know, Augusta State's an auxiliary member of the conference. They're there for golf only, so they can get their Division One bid. Augusta State just cranks out Masters champions every every year. So, but after the first round, our guys were ahead. And it's like, okay, this is the year they have a chance to really make a run on them. Mm-hmm. Augusta State regroups. They win by like seven shots. And the, the thing is, that momentum carried on. And you I had this discussion, like this it might be the best shot Danny has to beat him this year. And, in mm-hmm. fact, the, he, you know, I think the final at the MEAC was like 20 because um, we, we ran out of gas a little bit and Augusta turned on the final round. 
the men's golf team had a great run this year, and the fact that they were able to challenge a dominant program like that was fun to watch for me. For lack of a better term, but the country club sports mm-hmm. here at Bethune-Cookman, uh, tennis and golf this spring, mm-hmm. both men and women had phenomenal years mm-hmm. on both sides. Again, laid the foundation for years to come in addition to taking home some hardware this year. Mm-hmm. So extremely proud of both the men and the women tennis and golf programs mm-hmm. here at BC. A lot of success in 2019. Dan, so my games come with a caveat being that I watched these games. I think there were some that didn't make the list that would have made it had I been able to see it with my own two eyes, but I went off games that I physically saw. So starting out with number five, for me, it was a loss. Bethune-Cookman at Cal Poly Basketball, a game that went to overtime. Cal Poly won on a banked three-pointer at the freaking buzzer. was only the second three-pointer made of the entire half for overtime for Cal Poly. Uh, Tough way to lose for the Wildcats. It's a game that was neck and neck. I don't think either team led by more than four or five points the entire game. So I'm going off entertainment value. That's my number five. Number four, I'm going to stick with basketball, but a win at home over FAU for the men. A huge non-conference win. Took it over the Owls, I uh, believe our first win over Conference USA opponent. At that time, FAU carried a net ranking in the top 75. That was a huge non-conference win for the men's basketball program. You just stole one of mine, but that's a good one, because what I liked about that, you know, and I know Wally's not a three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. I think he scored like six, seven points mm-hmm. in the first five, six games. And that three at the end, straight away three. Yep. And Malik went on a tear at one mm-hmm. point. He scored seven or eight points on his own, had a couple of steals in there, uh, like a man on fire, just possessed. So that was a lot of fun. More gym erupted. That was December 1st. That was a good time for a basketball win. So those are my numbers five and then four. Number three, I'm going to stay with basketball, but go to the women's side, and I've got the MEAC championship against Norfolk State. And the only reason that's not number one is, again, it's off the entertainment value. At the end, the fourth quarter really wasn't much of a contest because of how incredibly gritty, strong, and smart our women played. 57-45 is the final, and really about two minutes in the fourth quarter, you knew who was going to win the ball game. So that's number three based on what was at stake in there. But as far as entertainment goes, the ladies had that wrapped up in the fourth quarter. Just a huge testament uh, to all those young women, the coaching staff, the program as well. So that's my top three all in the hardwood. What do you got number two, Dan? Okay, since you brought that up, there's one more basketball game I need to bring up. Oh, boy. Now, you know, we've got a little asterisk in here. Dan's top five games are going to turn into a top ten. Well, no, but I do want to bring up uh, women's basketball at Florida A&M. Mm-hmm. We couldn't hit the broadside of Tyler Perry and Mumu. I mean, we were just, we could not hit a shot all day. We battled, we battled, we battled. Matter of fact, we were down, we were down like six with two and a half to go. Mm-hmm. And you know how I am about my fun facts about keeping these the winning streaks of, against Florida A&M going. Young Camry, who had to take over for Kiana Williams after she got hurt, she hurt. She hits a three. We get it back to one, and then Angel hits this off balance jumper with eight seconds to go in the middle of a six for twenty six performance. She goes, "Oh, I don't care how bad. I'm going to shoot that thing," and it went in. And then we beat FAMU, and I'm going. 
I already knew that we had recovered from everything like that, but that's like, like, okay, we got a shot at making a good run to finish the rest of the year there. So, and any time you get a road win against Florida A&M and Tallahassee, that's a nice thing. So can, that's you, my bit. can you add in the fact that at the very end, or up by a point, shooting free throws, miss it? I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but missed the free throw. And I don't remember how much time is left, but apparently if you, in Tallahassee, if you miss a free throw and it goes off the iron and off the glass and Florida A&M rebounds it, only like 0.2 seconds go off the clock as opposed to a second and a half. Um, Yeah, I had that one in there. But that that was a great game. Willie Love and I were uh, up there for that one, calling that doubleheader. That was a lot of fun. All right, so that's your number two? Yep. Okay. What's your number two? My number two is one you mentioned, the North Carolina Central football game. That Thursday nighter on ESPNU ended with, for the second straight year, when Bethune-Cookman goes all gold everything, gold helmets, gold jerseys, gold pants, ends with back-to-back blocks. This time, unlike last year against South Carolina State, it wasn't because of a penalty. It was because there was a timeout called. So Omar Manzi gets another crack at it, blocks the kick in double overtime, double denial. Uh, Just, I was on my seat the entire fourth quarter of that one because similar to... When we played Central in 2017, Hail Mary McLeod Bethune, the offense in the fourth quarter hadn't done much. It wasn't until that final drive when we went down the field and we scored on uh, whatever it was, a goal from the 17-yard line, something insane on the scramble, and David found Kivon. Yeah, it wasn't until offense late, and uh, that was a lot of fun on there. Um, I think my heart was pounding for another solid two hours afterward. I re- again, I really enjoyed that game, and... Um, we have a really tight relationship with North Carolina Central's um, fans and uh, with their department. And like I said, Jay Walker is there, so he didn't like the fact that I had my own version to give me five. And you know, but that was just fun. Mm-hmm. And those were two teams. You know, A and T had A and T clinched by then. Nope. So that you know, we were still alive. We were playing for something, and both teams brought it and put out a great night of college football there. All right, what's your number one? My number one. And I think as far as significance was not the championship game against Florida A&M in the softball tournament, but the winner's bracket where we beat them to put us us into the championship bracket. Okay. Um, Because what happens in the tournament every year, um, we get two run rule victories, everything. It always comes down to that Friday against FAM sets the term for Saturday. Well, we win. And a girl who's batting eighth in the lineup, Carrington Robinson, she's a walk-on. She's under the 200 level. Her first, she's the first at bat, and the clutch at bat was in the seventh. They thought she got the game-winning hit, and they ruled her out of the batter's box. It's like, oh, okay, this, okay, and this, oh no, this is going to be bad. Go back to the ninth inning after Bermuda throws two perfect innings. She gets another shot. Hits it at the same place, we get the win. Makes things a little bit easier for us on Saturday to get the championship. So right then and then I knew it's like our chances of winning this tournament are really, really good right now. All right, my number one game of the year, I'm going to stick at the Orem Beach Sports Complex and cheat a little bit. I'm going to go with the entire championship Saturday between Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M. Because in that game one, the FAMU pitcher had a no-hitter through six and two-thirds. And again, my games are based off what I saw in entertainment value and almost saw a no-hitter against your rival in the championship. And even though that was against us, I mean, you just kind of tip your cap. And that set the stage for what I think was the better game in being a uh, wildcat myself, that 
championship finale in which Bethune-Cookman prevailed over Florida A&M back-to-back softball championships for Laura Watt and her squad. Uh, so that's my number one game of the year is the true finale, um, but I want to tie in that opening one because, again, that speaks also to uh, the resilience of the softball team as well, like women's basketball. They had injuries themselves. You almost get no hit in game one. Momentum's not on your side. And then you don't have the best start in game two, but then you explode. Mm-hmm. You had that second or third inning when we scored four or five runs, and then later on the ball game, able to do it again. We've had some good run. I mean, we had some great, great games to watch this year, young Nolan. I know. So let's move on ahead to the top moments of the season of 2018-19 here at Bethune-Cookman University Athletics. Nolan Alexander joined by Dan Ryan, staff historian and senior writer and the director of broadcasting here at BCU, our top moments of the year. All right, my number five moment of the year is, and these are very specific moments in time, which I can nail down. Peters pick six. Ty Peters pick six uh, to win the Florida Blue Florida Classic for the eighth straight year. We touched on it earlier. But what was so funny about that is FAMU is driving down by seven. A chance to tie to go in overtime, and half the FAMU fans were gone. They had left the drive before after we ended it with a turnover again. I think we had another interception in there on a tip ball where they had punted. But FAMU had turned it over. We're up by seven with three or something minutes to go that game and we're inside our own 20 that game is not over by any stretch of the imagination but as it's been told to me before and now I kind of agree with it that I think FAMU fans are brainwashed in the fourth quarter of the classic <laughs> they hit the exits and I, I may have mentioned on air but I'm thinking to myself I mean we make one mistake they they score from 20 yards out we're tied that's what I talked so about they had so they had the ball back there goes Stanley driving down the field, and then Marquez Ford, with under a minute to go, gets that great edge rush. Uh, got a great jump off the ball. Some people said he was offsides. Uh, I did not think he was offsides, nor did the officials. No. Had great timing, jumped the snap, um, was able to pressure Stanley, and then there's Ty Peters, who, if he continues how he played at the end of 18 into 19, I think you're looking at an All-America season. But caps it off with a pick six. And, yeah, that's my did number you, five moment. Did you think Peters? As soon as that ball was thrown, I was like, okay, Peters, got, Peters is going to get this. So, to be honest, um, <laughs> to be frank with you on this, I had a very difficult time determining who was who on the field because of our jerseys. <laughs> I know they went over really well on social media. I know the players loved it, and that's the most important thing. But being in that press box with the white jerseys, silver numbers, and the light yellow trim... I really couldn't tell who was who at times. <laughs> so I didn't know it was him. And for, I, I looked, I thought that's got to be intercepted. And I couldn't verify it was Peters until about 15 yards after he picked it off. We need to tell them about the tradition we have with the Florida Classic. It's like, because um, we've won three, the last three years I've been there, you don't all let me sit with you because it's part of the tradition. It's like, you guys are so superstitious. It's like, every time I go in the game, it's like, get out, Dan. It's like, we're winning. It's like, okay. Well, don't say you guys, because I'm locked in on air. I don't yeah. know what's going By the way, you, you got to call a game with Nick Collins, too. That was I did. Cool. I did call a game with Nick Collins. Boy, he got excited when the interception was made. Oh, gee, I wonder he why. He screamed when the interception was made. All right, so that's my number five moment. Number four moment for me, we haven't touched on baseball yet, and there's a lot yeah. of highlights uh, during the season for baseball, but I'm going to go with the home opener win against Boston College. Mm-hmm. Uh, first home game for Johnny Hernandez at the Jack, Jackie Robinson Ballpark, and the Cats picked up a big Friday night win against Boston College, a team that ended up having a very strong uh, 2019 season, a team that 
played well in the ACC. Watch to see what would happen on Selection Monday. Um, a good ball club. BCU ended up winning the series against Boston College second time in three years. So that's number four for me. Number three, as far as moments go, is specifically seeing the football team walk off the field at Nebraska. Uh, seeing the Nebraska fans with a round of applause as we scored a touchdown at the final seconds, um, and then seeing the tunnel of Nebraska fans that uh, led our players into their locker room after the game had ended, uh, just seeing people take pictures with Uriel Hernandez, uh, smiles, applause, just uh, kind of that moment of... I've never seen this before. I may never see this again as far as a a courteous and respectable fan base. That's my number three moment. Hit us with your five through three, Dan. Okay, my number five starts back uh, in September. Uh, It was volleyball. We were playing Brown over at Stetson University. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of a really intense match. It was 1-1 at the time. Shayla Eugene goes back, makes this diving save on the second hit to keep the point going. And I I hear this, oh, my gosh, that's a fantastic save. Great effort, young lady. I'm going, that doesn't sound like any of our of our parents. And I turned around. It was one of the brown parents. Hmm. I'm going, that is really cool. And so between sets, I went over and introduced myself. And because we played brown in basketball, I've been up to Providence. And we talked about our favorite restaurants on Federal Hills. And we had this great conversation. Because you guys got a great team. You know, this is fun to watch. You know, good luck to you guys. I'm going... Okay, and I really felt good about that. Of course, we ended up beating Brown, and we had a great match against Stetson. But that moment is like, that was just a really, really cool moment for me. So, All right, good number five. Okay, now you're going to get, and I promise this is about the last time I'm going to mention this, but as you guys know, on February 5th, my daughter was on Jeopardy. And it was, really? Really? Gee, have I, have I mentioned that yet? Wow. Jeopardy, that's that TV show um, that they air every weeknight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Well, this is the last time. And for, um, we were out there for the taping, and it was also the same day as the Florida game. Mm-hmm. It's like, and we were trying to figure out how to work everything out, and the folks at the University of Florida came through for me, and, and it was actually the smoothest day of a game day I've ever had. But we had finished taping the episode, or the episode, or the or the, that. I had Laker tickets, and I walk. We get into the Staples Center, and I didn't know who the schedule was. But I looked down there, and there's Eric Lewis calling LeBron for blocking. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So I'm, uh, and just to Wait, the fact that LeBron had a call go against him, or Eric was there. A little bit of both. <laughs> but it's like, of all the people to ref that game, so it's like, I'm just appreciating the moment, everything there. I'm watching a game in the Staples Center with my kids, so I just look upstairs, and I'm going, you are really good. What do you want? But that was really one of those cool days, and I, and I promise, yeah, well, I'm going to mention a couple more times. She's in grad school, and she's doing great in my DNA. My number three was during Hall of Fame weekend with Larry Little. Now, we all know Coach Little. He kind of comes off as this really, really gruff guy. I've never seen that man more happier in my life for two reasons. And one was that his teammate, both here with the Dolphins, Malty Moore, mm-hmm. was being inducted. The second thing, they were celebrating the 1988 championship team. And that team, it's never going to be remembered as some of these other great teams. They were a bunch of overachievers. They really didn't have a lot of talent. But, again, they worked hard. They busted it. Even though they were 5-6 and six overall, they went 4-0 in conference play, and they won the MEAC, and they beat Florida A&M 
And, you know, they were just, it was just one of those great team, you know, one year teams that comes together. And it was just, we, we were ordered to the um, reunion. And and I'm dating myself. It's like I knew a few of them because they were seniors when I was was here as a, as a student. Some of them have gone on to um, be doctors and teachers. Matter of fact, Carl Gibbons, who was one of my favorite wide receivers of all time, had to address him as Doctor Gibbons because he's the president of Bell Glade High School, his alma mater. And then Coach Coach Little comes in, Coach Sai comes in, and just the camaraderie there was just had this one team. And if you remember back September, October, this was when during all the big UCF hype. But, you know, UCF is what college football is all about. I heard my friend Mike Bianchi say on the air, they're challenging the system. Just like what I saw, that was what college football was all about. What happens in 30 years, all these people with their degrees, they've gone on, their ch- their kids are playing football and sports now, and they've gone out into the into the community and made a difference. I'm going, it was just, just such an amazing weekend. It was like it was the... I enjoyed that more than, well, then again, the football game that weekend didn't go well for us either. But that's what football is all about, I think. So my number two moment from this year is back to softball, specifically the big inning that got us the win mm-hmm. in the finale against Florida A&M, um, and then Bermuda's getting the final out of her no-hitter. I know that's two moments, but uh, I'd say it's first start off kind of the big inning in which you got the feeling of, okay, that's enough. I think that's going to be enough to propel us to the championship. Even though, fam, you had a couple of home runs, but we limited the damage there. Nice job by Bermudas. But that'd be my number two moment. Mm -hmm. My number two moment was, and it's an off-the-wall moment, it was the Nebraska game day. Now, where was I on Nebraska game day while you guys were in Norman? I was in my car because I I had stayed behind duty that weekend because I had volleyball senior day, a tennis tournament, I had a basketball scrimmage, and so it's like I didn't mind it because you know that's that's how things were on. And I was more excited about all y'all getting the opportunity to have that once in a lifetime experience out there. I've had my share. Well, my contribution to that broadcast and that event this week is, and I scored an interview with Tom Osborne, you know, the legendary Nebraska coach. So, wake up that morning. Carlin Berryhill wins the conference cross-tournament meet. Go by the, t- the, the tennis tournament. Everything's are going well, and, uh, every- and so I'm able to delegate the work study. So I'm driving back over to um, campus because we're getting ready for basketball, and I forgot I recorded that because we ran, ran it on podcast. They were running a pregame, and I'm listening to myself interview Tom Osborne on the radio, and I'm going, okay, this is a really cool moment. It's like, I just, and it's like, okay, everything's good. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we're putting out a great product across the board. So that was my number two moment. Tom Osborne, class act. Class act. That was fun hearing that interview. All right, my number one moment is this is kind of selfish, but like it's, it. mainly, it's mainly about the team. Um, I have never been I, I've been able to call championship games um, in my broadcasting career where I've never actually been on a court or somewhere that has had the confetti fall on me. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, I wish I'd experienced that as an athlete growing up, which I, I just feeling the confetti fall over you. Because uh, you see in the Super Bowl, you see in the NBA Finals, you know, it's, it's, it's magical. So 
mainly for the team, mm-hmm. win the confetti fell for women's basketball over in Norfolk State and the first women's title for Vanessa Blair Lewis and that program and going to the NCAA tournament. But then selfishly kind of having it fall over myself and having it all over my computer and everything. And uh, that was a moment I'll, I'll never forget. That's my number one moment is the confetti falling over women's basketball. You know, I'll say it before I say it again. Because you know, but the way it was, I had to stay behind that weekend and, and everything like that. But to every having you call that moment, and for the next five thousand years, that, that knowing that was one amazing call you had. So I mean, don't be selfish. You did all of us a service that day, I and I thank it, you for thank that. You. Now, my selfish moment has to do with your unselfishness because you stayed behind the next week while I went to the NCAA tournament with Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And so I'm having all the Notre Dame moments. They took us on a tour of the stadium, uh, football stadium, and and I had my picture at Touchdown Jesus, and got to go, you know, all the Rudy and the not and the Newt Rockney stuff, and mm-hmm. and. Do you know Rudy was offsides? Probably. Yeah, Rudy was offsides. Unlike Marquez Ford, Rudy was offsides. <laughs> and also too, um, I got to prep Tamika Catchings, and. And we, and we compared notes because I'd been to Martin, Martin, Tennessee, where Pat Summer played her college ball. And it's like, oh, wow, isn't that a cool? It's like, yeah, it's really a cool experience. My cool moment was three and a half minutes before the game. And, you know, I'd been in this godforsaken business for 35 years. This was my first NCAA basketball tournament as a, as a basketball SID. And it hit me. And it's like, oh, my Went to coach Nikki Washington because I, I blame her because, um, you know, they recruited me over to work the women's team. And it's like, you know, my, my life is her fault. I looked at her. I'm going, you know, coach, this is all your fault. And then it's like, and then Vanessa looked at and goes, coach, holy crap, coach, we're playing Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament. And I just remember it's like, and I think I knew I knew what was about to come happen in the next 40 minutes because, you know, because as Coach Blair Lewis says, um, you know, they had eight McDonald's All-Americans, and we had eight players that liked to eat at McDonald's. But to go up against that and that NCAA tournament experience is, that's one I'm going to remember forever. And I want to thank them and thank everyone for the opportunity we had to do that. Lots of moments, lots of stories, lots of great games. Going to be even more in 2019 and 2020. I think across the board, the cats are loaded in just about every sport this upcoming season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Dan, thanks for sharing your top moments, stories, and games with us today. We appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on your recent COSIDA as a district award. Uh, district award. Yeah, district award. So congratulations on that. Like Angel, I had to go up against Notre Dame in a national tournament. I'm in good company then, I guess. There you go. There you go. Well, Dan, appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here on the CatCast. Looking forward to doing this again in uh, 2019-2020. You got it. For Dan Ryan, I'm Nolan Alexander. Those have been our top games, stories, and moments of 2019. And uh, we'll have to hear your thoughts as well. So you can drop us a line on Twitter at DaytonaDan, at Nolan2Ryan, with your favorite games and moments, stories. You think we missed something? Well, because we probably weren't there at it, or we could only fit five on there. So let us know your thoughts. Until next time, hail Wildcats. Wildcats.